All right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How are we doing this morning? Amen. What an Praise God, lots of good stuff going on. I'm going to have Miss Katie come on up. Uh, I want to remind you, my parents are out of town. They are in Brooklyn, New York, still visiting my brother. They will be back later on this week, but they say hello to everybody. They're seeing all sorts of sights and the Statue of Liberty and Coney Island and all this stuff. So they're having a really good time, and they miss everybody, but they will be back this week, and they're excited, right? So Katie's got some wonderful updates on Harvest Fest for us, so let's hear what's going on. I'm really excited to get back out there to Pleasant View. Uh, the men had a great time. They uh, had like a bro night on Friday night, and uh, the funniest part was that they they don't plan. Most of us who are married, we, we know that. And so there was a bucket of potato salad and like 20 pounds of meat. They just grilled a bunch of meat, but they had a really, really great time out there. So (laughs) they had a good time. So I'm really excited for all of us to get to go out there together. And we do have a little bit of a budget that we're trying to reach so that we don't have to ask you to bring in hot dogs and buns. Several reasons, partly because we don't really want to store it this year. Um, and secondly, because transporting it all the way out to Newberry is kind of, you know, frustrating. So we are hoping that you would join with us and let's all just donate cash and we'll have one person go shopping and get it all and take it straight out there. And it cuts out all of the storage and all that. So that being said, we're looking at doing 600 hot dogs and buns and 600 waters and 350 sodas, bags, and then the kids' prizes. And so all of that and a few maintenance things like condiments and caution tape and things like that come to $650. So normally Harvest Fest is $3,000, and this year we're looking at $650. So I'd like for you to join with me, and we'll get that budget hit. So how we can do that is on your envelopes or online, you just mark your giving as Harvest Fest. So online there's a memo section. You can mark it there or you can just write Harvest Fest or Big HF on your envelope. So praise God. It's coming along. We're getting there. Amen. I am so excited. And uh, man, it's just, it's a great time. God's doing so many good things right now in the world. And uh, it's, what a great time to be born. Amen. You know, it's like the book of Esther says, we were born for such a time as this. And it's not a mistake that you're here in the world right now. It's not a mistake that you were born when you were born and that God puts you here on purpose for this period of history. And that's something to be excited about. Amen. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? All right. That did not sound, I'm just, I can't let that go. I'm sorry. I was just going to give you a pass. I'm not going to give you a pass. That was pathetic. Who knows what time it is now? Happy time. Thank you. I need to feel something. Come on. It is happy time. And you're like, well, what's happy time? It's time to give tithes and offerings to God because God loves a cheerful giver, not a fearful giver, not a tearful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. And that's what we're doing today. So I'm going to have the one, the only, the man, not the myth, the legend, Jose Cruz. Amen. Let's hear it for our drummer. God. The drummers, they don't get much love. They're always back there. You know, no one sees them, but he's real. He's a real person. And he's got, uh, this guy is a tither. And I've seen God do incredible things in his life. 
over the past several years. So anyway, I want him to share with us over the tithes and offerings this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. It's happy time, right? Are we, God loves a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. So I want to share a verse that's near and dear to my heart. It's something, it's pretty much my life verse. I got a hold of this, gosh, seven, eight years ago now, and it's Matthew 6.33. And I'm going to read a few verses before that. So if we can turn to Matthew 6.33, 31 through 33, actually, and I think we got the envelopes out. And when you trust God with your finances, which is, it's funny because I've worked in customer service a lot. There's two things that people get mad about, their food and their money. So if you can trust God with your finances, everything else is going to get taken care of for you. So here, let's listen to this. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying... So apparently, so Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount here, and he's coming up closer to the end of it. And apparently there's a lot of worry about these things. People are talking about it. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So really, if you're doubting where your provision's coming from, you're an unbeliever. So, But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs, And so verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. You know, when we put God first, he takes care of everything else because he already knows it. When I got a hold of that, I was like, okay. He knows it. Now I just got to do my part. A lot of the provision in the Bible, a lot of the promises are conditional. There's parts on our end that we have to do. So, trust God with your finances. Take that step in tithing if you haven't done that yet. Because that was the biggest thing that I did. And I just, now I thank the Lord. I'm like, okay, Lord, because it's cool that Matthew or uh, Malachi 3 says, put me to the test. That's one of the only verse, the only verse that the Bible actually, the Lord actually tells you, put me to the test in this. So now it's not a test. Now it's out of love. And so when you finally get past that, everything's going to fall into place for you. So I'm going to pass it back over to Pastor Dave for the financial faith confession. Hallelujah. Trust, Trust the Lord. That's what it comes down to. That's right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you need will be added unto you, man. Think about that. God just adds it unto you. You don't have to strive and worry and stress. God will get to his children what they need. Who knows that you've got a father that loves you? Amen. That's not just something we say. That's not a figment of our imagination. He's real and he cares about his children and he will provide and take care. Amen. We're going to say our financial faith confession. You can bring your tithes and offerings up. Uh, and if you're given to Harvest Fest, you just mark that on there. And, and, and give in faith, man. Give in joy. Give out of your love for God and watch what God will do in your life. Let's say this together. I was actually getting ready to do the Barstow Faith Confession. That was going to throw the whole service off. (laughs) As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
Let's all stand. Let's sing this. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give your praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise, cause you inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house. Your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise. You inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people one time let's sing our praise our praise becomes your house your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, oh. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name, give you praise, cause you inhabit the praises of your people, you inhabit 
praises of your people. Are you in heaven? The praises of your people. We sing a song. Oh, we sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise and you come in. Sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise. Cause you inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. Our praise because your house your place Heavenly Father we just want to thank you Lord Lord I still remember sitting on the edge of my bed and confessing you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Lord, my prayer today for everybody is, is that as we sing this song, we would remember where we were when your love found us, when it grabbed us and pulled us close, and that we would remember how it felt and everything, Lord, that you've done in our lives there from now to now, Lord. And I just thank you. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't forget. I still remember the place you found me. And I surrender when your grace covered my shame and saw my
take just a minute this morning to to kind of bask in that love of God. Amen. Because sometimes we know that he loves us, but seems like sometimes we lose track of that and we get caught up in the midst of everything going on. And we, whether we realize it or not, we forget that, but we need to realize that he loves us. He cares for us affectionately. He cares about what's going on in our own individual personal lives. Jesus, we thank you so much that you've never given up on us, Lord. You've never walked out on us. You said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. And you've kept your word. You've been true to that, God. There's not been one moment we could look back on and say that we were all alone because you've been there for every single second of every single day, Lord. And we we love you. We praise your name. We worship you for that today. And Lord, you made promises to us. We promise you, God, that we're sticking close to you. We'll never leave you. We'll never forsake you. We will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Lord, we love you and we praise you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who knows that God's good this morning? Amen. Who knows that he does love you, that he does care, that he will never leave us. Amen. Well, hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to be seated this morning. Praise God. It's great to be in the house of the Lord together. As my dad always says, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all of California. Who gets, amen. 
Man, it beats being, this is better than the best jail in the whole state of California, amen. It's about the best place you can be. I can't think of any place else I'd rather be than in God's house with God's people studying God's word. That's what it's all about right there, amen. Well, praise God, lots of just, man, I I just keep saying it over and over, but it's a great time to be alive. And God's going to use you in this season and in this chapter of history if you'll allow him to, if you'll yield to him and let him have his way in your life. He wants to do something to you and through you so he can bless some other people and we can grow the kingdom of God because Jesus is coming back. And I'll say it every day. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I'll say it in cursive. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back real soon. And I, I mean, there's, you just can't convince me otherwise from that. But praise God. This week, the title is this, End Times Thriving Part 2. And last week, we looked at, uh, looked at some things that are keys to not only survival, but thriving in the end times. Because like we said, I'm not a survivor, right? I, I mean, I'm a thriver. You know, I had cancer. I had leukemia when I was three and a half. And so people want to tell me, man, you're a cancer survivor. I'm like, no, I'm a cancer butt kicker because of the name of Jesus. <laughs> didn't survive that, man. We thrived through that. And, uh, you know, and so uh, that's what God does. His goal isn't to just barely let you squeak by, just barely, barely win, barely make it into heaven. What the will of God is, is for you to thrive. Third John 2 says, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers now some people will tell you well i mean you know that i i know that but but really that's god doesn't promise you health god doesn't promise to take care of you in this way and yes he does if you'll read the book if you'll read his will god's got promises to us from genesis to revelation that you need to get a hold of if you're going to thrive in the end times who's ready to thrive amen I'm right, man, I am not a survivor. I'm a thriver. And so I was, re- I was reflecting and, and right before, uh, 2020 opened up, uh, Kenneth Copeland had, had a word for the year and he said this is going to be a year of visions and dreams. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. 20, you know, and everyone's, the, the obvious slogan for 2020 is you got to have 2020 vision. I mean, that was, everybody set that up. That was just, you know, it, it was cool, but it's kind of generic after a while. So 2020 vision, let's do this. And, but so, you know, he, he's saying it's going to be a year of, a, a year of dreams and visions. And so I'm like, cool, man, you know, we want big dreams, reach for the stars. And, and I, I was thinking that, and there's been some good stuff in that regard, but I can tell you that God's given a lot of people dreams Real, real godly Holy Ghost dreams about some warnings and some things to come. And, you know, a lot of people, they'll go a little far out in the dream world, and I'm not, I'm not into that. I just want Bible. And if your dream lines up with the Bible and it actually happens, then I'll believe you. But, it, you know, if those two things don't happen, then I don't, you know, I don't want to hear about your dreams. So, but there's been a lot of people that God has given some dreams to, and, and, and I'm like, man, it's, it's just more proof to me that, there's some stuff going on in this world. In fact, it's been crazy. God gave me a dream a couple months ago about uh, about someone that was that it was going to come back to church, and I didn't. In my mind, I was like, "No, that's. I mean, that's far. That's going to be a while. That's. I don't. I don't see that happening right now." And lo and behold, th- th- this month they're back and and hooking back up. I'm like, "What?" God, that was all from you. And I told their family, so they'll, they'll confirm that I actually said that to them. But, but it's incredible that God is doing some real things 
in the world right now, but we've got to pay attention and, and we've got to hook up and stick with the word of God. And so we're seeing prophecy fulfilled. We went over that last week. We're seeing a lot of incredible things happening that are speeding up the end times process. And I'm not going to go into all that this week, but I'm going to go over two key points today that are absolute essential for your end times thriving, okay? Not surviving, thriving. And these are two key, major key foundational things for you to overcome in the end times. Because if you study the Bible very much, you realize that there will be some difficult days that come to the world ahead. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, he said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Now, does that mean that we have to take the, the, you know, do we have to get slapped around and beat up as Christians? No, we'll, we'll, we're going to see a lot of stuff. Psalm 91 says only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. And so I'm, I'm not hoping and wishing for bad stuff to happen to me, but I do know that there's going to be some stuff go down in this world. And it's very important that you are on the right side of things. And this isn't conspiracy theory. This isn't far out stretching the truth. It's just, you can see this. It is important that you're on the right side of things. And who's the right side of things? God. Every single time. God. The Bible is the right side of things. And so we're sticking to this no matter what, all right? And so I'm going to pray that I want to jump into two things that you have got to get a hold of for your thriving in the end times. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we are gathered here in your name. We're not gathered in my name. We're not gathered in any other name. We are gathered in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray today that as we study your holy word, you're going to speak to us. You're going to show us what we need to see. Tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, God. And I pray that we'll have ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, everybody said. So the first thing I'm going to say is this, number one, key to your thriving, number one is the name of Jesus. Am I at church or am I, where am I at? Am I at Food for Less right now? I said, for you to thrive in the end times, you have got to have the name of Jesus on speed dial. Come on. My gosh. Listen. This is, you don't understand the full magnitude of the name of Jesus. And a lot of times in, in our Western culture, we don't place a lot of significance upon names. You look at what celebrities name their kid. Uh, we named him Apple because we thought that was a cool thing. We named this one uh, Roof Tile because we were looking at a roof. Like, what in the world, man? Names have significance, and especially uh, in the Bible, that they were, there was a lot of significance to the name, but the name of Jesus, that's not just some name that Mary thought, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of the trend right now. Jesus is kind of one of the names for this year. No, the name of Jesus is the name above all names. He is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, the, the, the great I am. He's everything and it's all wrapped up in this incredible name, the name of Jesus. And so this is one of the biggest advantages that you have as an end times Christian. Are you hearing me right now? Your access 
to using the name of Jesus is one of the greatest advantages that you have over the entire rest of the world. They can't just go out there and use the name. They say Jesus when they stub their toe or they their car breaks down. They say his name, but they're not saying it in the right way. When a born-again, spirit-filled Christian uses the name of Jesus in faith, mountains move. Seas are parted. Miracles happen when we use the name of Jesus. There is not a devil in hell that can stand up to the power of that name. It is incredible. Look with me this morning at John chapter 14. John 14. The name of Jesus is the one of the greatest gifts that you have ever been given access to. And I'm going to show you several scriptures. I had to narrow this down because I was just, I was like, man, I can't put three dozen scriptures, passages in there. We'll be there all day. But I narrowed it down to just a couple. But John chapter 14, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. But you need to get real accustomed to using the name of Jesus in your life. Don't be ashamed of that name. Don't be ashamed of that. When you're in public, you can use the name of Jesus. Man, Jesus loves you. How often do you hear that in the store? Not very often. You may hear the occasional, God bless you. But if you were to go around using the name of Jesus, we'll identify real quick that you're not just some some jokester. You're not some lukewarm Christian. If you're bold enough to use the name of Jesus in public, there's something different about you. John 14, verses 13 through 14, Jesus said, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. That is the best news that I've heard all year long right there is John chapter 14, verse 13. He said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So when he says anything, what does that actually mean? Anything, right? Anything. That, that doesn't say, well, you can ask me for anything except for healing because that, that passed away and we don't do that anymore. Wrong. Jesus still heals people. Who believes that? I have seen miracle. I have seen Jesus absolutely heal people. He did it to me. He's done it to my dad. He's done it to so many of you in this room right now. He said, ask for anything in my name. And if I'm in the mood that day, I might actually do it for you. It had nothing to do with Jesus' mood or the Father's mood. He said, ask in my name and I will do it. So what's the key to receive it? It's to ask in his name. Now, are there some other guidelines? Are there conditions to this? Sure there are. First John 5.14 tells us we have to ask according to his will, right? Well, there you go. That's it right there. Who could possibly know the will of God? I know the will of God. I've got a Bible. You don't, you don't have to have a, go to Bible college. You don't have to have some degree or, or, or some special office. Any Christian can know the will of God if they'll read the Bible. It's not that hard to find. And so if I ask for anything according to his will, he hears us and he'll give it to me. And what else, what's another condition? Well, according to Mark 11, I've got to ask in faith. I can't just say, Lord, I need a miracle right now. My God, I hope something actually happens this time because last time it didn't. Is that asking in faith? Is it? 
That's not asking in faith. That's, that's full of doubt. That's full of, of just wishful thinking. It doesn't say that, that, that we gotta have wishfulness in God. We gotta have faith in God, Mark 11, 22. And so if I'm asking according to His will and in faith, something's gonna happen when I use the name of Jesus. I can tell you that right now. Does it happen instantly? A lot of times it does. Sometimes it takes a minute, but the answer always comes. If not, then Jesus just told a lie. And if someone's lying and I got to choose between you and Jesus, I pick you. Well, I used his name and nothing happened to me. I don't, something got fouled up in the mix somewhere, but it wasn't on Jesus part. I've, I've had some mistake. I, I've sure I've had some clunkers out there before, but listen, I don't ever say, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Why didn't this? I got to look at my life. And every time there's been something on my, yeah, I've got to fix that. Yeah, I got to love my neighbor as myself before I expect that mountain to move. I got to obey the word of God, but I'm telling you, a Christian using faith in the name of Jesus, that is one of the biggest weapons that we have in the end times right now. And, and in fact, when we even read that verse, he says, ask for anything. I mean, that sounds like it's almost too good to be true. Anything, Jesus? Well, Jesus said anything. It's not my words. Anything and you will do it. Really? I mean, that just sounds, that sounds too good to be true. Has anyone ever tried to sell you something and you're like, there's gonna, there's a catch somewhere to this. There's no way that you're gonna, you know, give me a, a million dollar house for five dollars. You know, yeah, people try to sell you the most bogus stuff and, and there's a catch somewhere. There's no catch with Jesus. He's not out there to trick you. He's out there to help you. He's not trying to make it hard. He's trying to smooth out the road ahead of you. Listen, he said, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And do you know why he wants to do that? Why does Jesus just, well, he said it right here. It says, so the son can bring glory to the father. You think Jesus wants to do these incredible miracles in your life just so you'll look cool and people will be impressed with you? No, he's doing it because when God, when, when somebody out there, when a, a doubter, when a skeptic, when a hater sees a miracle happen in Rosalinda's life, they're like, oh my gosh, there's something to this thing. She's been, this Jesus stuff she's talking about, it must be real. What happens? Does she get the glory or does God the Father get the glory? The Father gets the glory because she's going to say, oh no, no, it's not me. It's Jesus. Don't, don't, don't look at me. It's Jesus. She's going to point him to Jesus and he's going to get the glory. Amen. And so Jesus wants to do incredible things in your life. Yes, because he loved you so much, but also because it brings glory to the father. And I'm saying, Jesus, if you need to do something in me to bring glory to the father, do it, man. You need to heal me. You need to bless me. You need to use me. Do it so you can bring Glory to the Father in the name of Jesus. Who knows there's power in the name of Jesus? You're not just saying that because you're in church and it's the right answer, right? Okay. So there is power in the name of Jesus. I cannot count how many times the name of Jesus has absolutely saved my life. You know, and it could be big things. It can be little things, but that name has pulled me out of every mess that I've ever gotten myself into and even things that have come up against me that I didn't invite into my life. But one thing I was just, I was just re reflecting yesterday, like, man, Lord, what, I'm just thinking back on some of the things you've done. Yes, 
he healed me of leukemia, and that was the name of Jesus. No doubt about it. And a lot of most people know my story, but I'm in a children's hospital. One day, my blood is filled up to the full with cancer, and I'm dying as a three-and-a-half-year-old kid. And the next morning, I hadn't walked in months, man. It, it, it had been several months since I'd been able to take a single step. One day, they go to take my blood, and I just, I just felt something pick me up off of this hospital table, and I took off running down the hallway. And, I mean, I'm not adding to this. I'm not trying to make the story sound extra spectacular. It's all truth. And so I'm running around and dancing, and I'm singing this song. We went to this Pentecostal church in Indianapolis, and we had this song that Miriam wrote in the book of Exodus. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And so and so it's in the Bible, but I'm running. There's doctors chasing me, trying to get me. So they get me, and they, they get, and, the, and they start taking my blood instantly. And God is my witness. The day before, my blood was filled with cancer. The very next day, zero trace that I had ever had cancer in my entire life. And in fact, the doctors, they said, he's got 100% mature white blood cells. That is a scientific impossible. That takes months to develop his blood. And I went back every week, every month, every year until I was 18 years old. I've got scars on my arms and on my back from spinal taps. And never again did they find one trace of cancer that I had ever even existed in my body. Lucky. Not lucky. It's the name of Jesus that did that. Amen. Luck had nothing to do with that. In high school, I went through this period where I was having nightmares every night. And in fact, I, I, I mean, just, just bad, crazy, bad dreams and, and, and waking me up at night, but I'd be paralyzed. And I found out this is a thing called sleep paralysis and I'd be, I couldn't move and I'd be trying to break free. And after a while, I'm like, you know what? This has gone on long enough. The same name that healed me of cancer, I'm sure it could take care of some sleep issues. So one night, my, I was in high school, 2003, that's how long ago it was. I, before I went to bed, I said, in the name of Jesus, I will sleep perfectly tonight. No bad dreams, none of this paralysis, nothing. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus from ever messing with my sleep again. 17 years now, and I've had good dreams every night for 17 years. Never again, not one time in 17 years has that happened. Lucky? No, it's the name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. That's how powerful that name is. It's the name above all names. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Who's having a good time today? You guys started off slow, but you're warming up now. We got you. We got you cooking a little bit. All right. Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry. I cannot do quiet church. I don't, I didn't grow up that way. My mama raised me better than that. We, <laughs> we participate. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. And so you guys realize Jesus had more than 12 disciples. I've told you this, but you need to remember. So there were more than just the 12. And so in this instance, he sent out 72 other disciples. So there were the 12 ones that were his main disciples, his apostles. But there was a lot more. So Luke chapter 10, verse 17 And so he sent them out to do his work. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. 
not, well, they obey us because they knew we had been hanging out with you and we, we met you one day and so they're, now they're afraid of us and, and they heard room. No, they obey when we use your name. Yes, he told them. He, he wasn't surprised. He didn't say, oh my gosh, are you guys serious? Are you serious right now? The demons obey you? I, I mean, I, it was a theory, but I didn't know it would actually work. Jesus wasn't surprised at all. He said, yes, absolutely. I, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Jesus wasn't uh, surprised. He wasn't shocked that his name caused demons to flee. He wasn't shocked that his name caused miracles to happen. Why? He said, man, I'm not afraid of the devil. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I was there when he got kicked out and God didn't just ask him to leave. God kicked him out of heaven so fast and so hard. I saw Satan fall like lightning. He was not shocked that his name caused miracles to happen. And so I'm telling you right now, as an end times Christian, get real comfortable, get real familiar, get real used to using the name of Jesus everywhere you go. Now, I've noticed there's not much opposition if you would just want to generically, vaguely throw the name of God out there. Most people, I mean, most people don't care that much. Like, God bless you. Thank you. Uh, you know, well, you know, God, the man upstairs, that, that doesn't make the devil flee the man upstairs. Come on. Listen, most people don't really care if you'll just vaguely, generically, yes, God. But if you start using the name specific, the name of Jesus, that makes the devil real mad. And it's going to make some people really, really mad that, that, that are submitted to the devil. And so I'm, I'll share a story real quick. I wasn't going to share this, but this is the, probably the most wild story of my entire life. So, you know, just buckle up. This is a wild story. <laughs> just happened like two months ago. So this guy messaged me and called me and uh, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. He used to come to church here. And anyway, dude was really, really going through some weird stuff. And I'm like, why'd you call? I haven't heard from you in years. I mean, I, I, I know who you are, but he's like, and, and so he starts talking to me. He's like, man, I hate it at your church. Every time you guys use the name of Jesus all the time. And every time you did, I felt sick to my stomach. I couldn't stand it and I couldn't wait to get outside the doors. That name drives me nuts. I'm like, whoa, okay. I see where this is headed. So anyway, uh, I'm on the, this is all on the phone. And so he's talking to me and, and I'm like, you know what? We're getting ready to take care. And so he tells me a lot of other crazy and, and bad things. And this is the only time in my life this has ever happened. But I'm just telling you, anytime something like I see something like this, it even proves to me further how real the word of God is. And so he's like, I'm like, well, man, finally, can I pray for you? He's like, okay, I guess. And so I start praying in the name of Jesus, let this man go. And all of a sudden, on the other side of the phone, man, and, you know, I'm not trying to freak anyone out, but this real happened in my backyard two months ago. I was on the phone, and I was, I was trying to grill some chicken, and so I burned the chicken. How bad is that? 
stink and grill my, burn my dinner up. But anyway, but it, something better happened. So he's talking to me. Then, I mean, this voice comes out of the phone. Leave him alone. He's mine. You can't have him. And I was like, oh, boy, hold my jacket. Here we go. So we, in the name of Jesus, leave this man. And so I'm, I'm in my backyard screaming and yelling and binding and loosening. And my neighbors are probably back there like, we knew he was a preacher. Man, this guy's getting weird. I just moved in like, I just moved in in May. So they already think I'm weird. But I am just yelling and screaming, leave him alone. In the name of Jesus, I command you. And there's, I mean, me, I'm not making an ounce of this story up. If I am, God strike me. But every single bit of it and so we're going back and forth and all of a sudden just something something quit something stopped right there and and he was like what just happened and i'm like man we just set you free you have got to get into a church and so anyway i that's all i could do from there i he was going to a different church please go to your church man please 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 get into your church i hope he did but he's not contacted me since but my good friend down in La Habra, Pastor Tori and Scott, he messaged him that same day. And he's like, man, something's going on with this guy. I'm like, yeah, I've got a story to tell you, brother. <laughs> you Listen to this one. And so anyway, he thought that was kind of neat. But the devil hates the name of Jesus. And it is, Jesus said, go, use my name. I'm, you're a Christian. Go use my name. I don't care. I want you to use my name and my name. And so look at this. Mark chapter 16. Again, I've tried to narrow down the, all, these, all these verses, but there's just too many good ones. Mark chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 17 through 18. Amen. We're having church today, right? Mark chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. This is in the New King James, Mark 16, 17 and 18. Jesus, right here, Great Commission, this is what he wants us to do. It said, and these signs will follow those who believe. What are the next three words? In my name, they will cast out demons. They, check, we do that. They will speak with new tongues. Check, we do that. They will take up serpents. I don't do that one, but I'm just, but we, if you, <laughs> but if I had to, I would. But you guys know that I am not a snake fan. So anyway, but if, but if I had to, I would. And you would, you would know it's the name of Jesus then because there's no other name that can make me touch a snake. Thank you, Jesus. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Check, check, check. We do all that stuff because we believe that. I don't think this is a suggestion. I don't think that this is just a good idea. I think this is a command from Jesus as end times Christians of what he wants to do in his name. I was going to move to point two, but I got to tell one more story while we're at it. All right. Who wants one more story? Can we handle one more? So as I was in the children's hospital and a lot of you have heard this. So just humor me and, and enjoy it again. All right. So as I'm in the children's hospital in Indianapolis, uh, you know, I was in there for a little bit and I mean, I was getting spinal taps. That hurts really bad, especially at three and a half. That just stinking hurts. So, you know, 30 years later, man, I've got these scars still. But they're taking my blood, doing all this stuff. And every time, man, I was just screaming and crying, a little kid in pain. And so my dad's best friend, who, who visits here sometimes from Indiana, uh, he comes in one night and he's like, 
you know, my dad's, you guys know him as pastor, but my dad's name's Bernie. So, Bernie, what's going on, man? What, what can I hook up with in agreement? And, and my dad's like, I know that the healing is coming. He's going to walk out of here, but I don't want him to be in pain in the meantime. I, I don't want to see my, my kids suffer and scream like this until the miracle happens. I need something to happen. And so Gary opened up there in Matthew where it says, where two or more ask anything in my name, I'm there in the midst and I will do it. And so Gary, great man of God, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to speak some faith that for the rest of his time in here, he is not going to feel pain. Well, that, that's a scientific impossibility. That, that's medically impossible. You have to feel blah, 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 And so there's a, yeah, of course that's impossible. Of course, but God doesn't operate. He's not bound by what's possible to you. For with God, all things are possible. And so Gary laid hands on me and my dad said, this is your faith. I'm piggybacking on your faith because I, I'm just not there yet. He laid hands on me and again, not making this up. God is my witness. For then my next, you know, I wasn't in there a whole lot longer, maybe, a, you know, a couple weeks or something. The rest of my time in there and and for years afterwards, years, years, any shot, any medical procedure, anything that had to do with that. I did not feel the needle or the spinal. T- I did not feel it touch my body. God is my witness. And so they'd be sitting there uh, getting blood transfusions, putting blood into me, taking blood out, jabbing things in me. I'm just sitting there laughing, smiling, whistling, just doing, you know, being a little, and there's kids all around me screaming their heads off. And I did not feel one needle, not one ounce of pain regarding that. Okay. If I was out on the playground and fell, yeah, but regarding that, I didn't feel pain in that, in that regard. I mean, until I was six, seven years old. And well, that's impossible. Great. That's a, that's exact. It's not a miracle. If it's possible, miracles happen when the impossible happens. And how did that happen in the name of Jesus? Can you see why Satan doesn't want you to use the name of Jesus in 2020? He's got plans brewing and building and, and ready to go. And the name of Jesus could totally squash it from happening in your life. You need to realize the power of the name of Jesus. The second thing I'm going to say is this. Keys to your end end times thriving. Number one, the name of Jesus. Number two, you got to get a backbone. You have got to get a backbone because there are going to be some things that you're going to have to take a stand for, not only this year, but moving forward in the future. There is going to have... Christians are going to have to eventually take a stand against some things, against some wickedness, against some things of the enemy. And if we can't do that, Satan has free course to do what he wants to do, right? And so who thinks that some Christians need some backbone? I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about being little rebels and I'm not into that. You got, I'm a very compliant person. I mean, I'm a, basically I'm a sissy. I hate to say that in front of a group of people, but I'm a very soft person. I don't like to go against any rule, but there comes a point in time where Christians got to have some backbone and say, all right, all right. You're not going to tell me I can't use the name of Jesus in public. You're not going to tell me that I can't sing to God inside of a church. Where do we draw the line? 
Christians have got to stand up. And as we've seen over the past six months, that Satan would love to silence and shut up Christians and churches all over the world. And in America, now more than ever before, Christians have got to stand up for some things. I'm just saying, it's got to happen. And so... I was reading this, and, and, and so this is, I read this, this came out in August from the Barna Research Group. I've told a lot of you about this, but the Barna Research Group, very respected uh, research firm, they surveyed over a thousand churches in the United States from New York to LA, over a thousand churches, and it looks like, according to them, if nothing changes, one in five churches in America will permanently shut their doors within the next 18 months. Due to COVID restrictions, they can't survive it. I'm like, one in five? That means in Barstow, in the high desert, in California, was that 20% of churches? For every 100 churches, 20 will shut down and not reopen. You think Satan's not, like, loving that? Yeah, he'd love churches to shut down right now. He would love for to permanently close the doors of God's house in so many different places because he knows that it's key and essential to survival. And well, we are the church. We can, yeah, that's sure. We all get that. Yes, absolutely. We are the church. Nobody's arguing that, but I've seen some weak Christians because they haven't been with God's people in God's house in six months. I've seen sadly some weak pastors and they're hurting and they're crying and it's awful to see and it's terrible. That's that is, Jesus said, I am coming back for a glorious church, a church without spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. He's coming back for a powerhouse, not just, well, we're, we're, we're hanging in there. We're, we're trying, man. We're hanging in there. We're not hanging in there. We're thriving. We're going to be an absolute force in the end times because of the name of Jesus. And so the president of the Barna Research Group, David Kinneman noted that although many churches have opened up as states' orders have loosened, their services have had a lot less people coming. And so I'm looking at all these other states where they've got, you know, hey, go ahead, go to church, and the people just aren't going. I'm like, here we are in the finest hour for Christians to rise up and do what we've been called to do, and a lot of them are choking. I'm like, what's going on? This is your chance to stand up and do something for the kingdom of God in the end times. But we don't need churches shutting down right now. We need churches open doing the work of God. Who agrees with that? And so I'm just sharing, I'm sharing a few statistics. This is just for FYI. This isn't a, this is just FYI. But according to this survey of a thousand churches, 34% of churches reported a decline in giving by up to 20%. 22 a percent of churches reported a decline of up to 50%, and 9% of churches reported a drop of, in giving of up to 75% or more. And I'm like, that is, well, that's awful. That's awful. We have, as, and I'm just, I give God the glory that, you know, and I've said this, and I'm not ashamed to say it, and, and, and so it's public knowledge, but our church, this has been the highest financial year that we've had in a decade, man. And it's like, like well, where'd that come from? But it's, Every month, every single month, and we had been struggling for a little bit, but as soon as March hit, every month, we just, God's people, like, you know what, it's getting real, we better start tithing, and, and just strangers, and, and it's all the glory to God, but we haven't had to take a government loan, we haven't had to beg for money, do fundraising, it's, 
God gets all the glory, but he has taken care of us better than ever before. And it's been incredible, and we thank Jesus for that. But I'm telling you, when we take a stand for what's right, when we take a stand, when we put actions to our words, actions speak louder than words, right? And so this is the time for Christians to get some backbone and say, you know what? You're not going to tell me I can't use the name of Jesus. You're not going to tell me I can't sing. You're not going to tell me this is the end times. This is time for Christians to rise up. Hebrews 10.25. Can we look at that? Hebrews 10.25. This, this was our theme verse for 2019. Hebrews 10.25. But this is so important for us to get. Hebrews 10.25. Now, in the King James, it says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. The assembling of ourselves means let's not forsake showing up together at church. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. And so, but I, I'm going to look at this in the Passion Translation. It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Who thinks that this is a good time to pull away and, and neglect meeting together? I think this is a really bad time to pull away. And neglect meeting together. As some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. I found that out. My gosh. We need each other. I need you. Hopefully you need me. We need each other in this time. It says in fact. We should come together even more frequently. Eager to encourage. And urge each other onward. As we anticipate that day dawning. Well, what's that day? That's the day that Jesus comes back and gets us. And so especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, we as Christians need to be together and standing up unified in the name of Jesus. Not in our name, not in the name of this church, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And so it's going to make the devil mad when you stand up and use the name of Jesus. Has anybody realized that in your life? I mean, did you have family members that when you were drunk and high and stealing, they didn't say anything to you about it? Then you start going to church and now they think you're crazy? I've heard stories of that. I mean, you know, my dad told me he, he used to be an alcoholic. And, 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 and when, when he was out there getting arrested and drunk and, and getting in fights, his family didn't care at all. They never said anything to him about it. Like, okay, well, yeah, you know. How you doing? They, they didn't care at all when he was drunk. But then when he started going to church, they thought he was crazy. That bothered them. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not getting arrested anymore. And church is bad. I'm not getting in fights anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not losing jobs anymore. And, 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 and now you think I'm crazy? Why? Because the things of God will, will always make the people of this world angry and confuse the devil and make the devil mad and try to work through people. But I'm just going to tell you this verse, write it down. Second Timothy three twelve says, yes. And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so, you know, this isn't something we like to talk about, but it's our job to prepare ourselves for the day and age in which we live. And so it says anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If your Christian walk isn't rubbing anyone the wrong way, not that we're trying to offend people, but if there's somebody that is just absolutely anti-God, your Christian walk should rub them the wrong way. You know, there's an old question that it was a song and people used to ask it. But if being a Christian was against the law, 
Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would they be able to show up at your house? You know what? Let's look at what they watch on TV. Oh, no, there's nothing. I'm, they're not Christians. Let's see what's on their iTunes. Oh, no, they're listening. No, the, no, move on to the next house. These guys definitely aren't Christians. Where, there, maybe we'll find a Bible. No, there's no Bible. Oh, there's a Bible over there. It's got a, six inches of dust on it. These people aren't Christians. Let's move on to the next house. Just something to think about. Because I'm saying, if it's against the law, I'm like, hey, I'm a felon, dude. I am taking this <laughs> serious, man. This is everything to me right here. And I'm again, write this down. I'm not turning there right now. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Man, people are making fun of me. They said I'm crazy. And they said this, rejoice. Be happy. They did that to the prophets and they're going to do it to you too. If, you've, if you're taking a stand, if you've got enough guts to stand up for Jesus, expect a little heat to come your way. But don't cry and stop taking your stand when it comes. Rejoice and say, yes, I have been counted worthy to be to receive a little bit because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. John chapter 15. Let's flip there. We're going to wind down here in a second. John chapter 15. But I'm telling you, for you to thrive in the end times, you're going to need to know how to use the name of Jesus. And you're going to need to know how to have some backbone and not be a little sissy and just cave in every time they tell you you can't do something that God does tell you to do. John 15. So I've been following this guy online, Sean Foyt, right? And so a lot of you guys know who he is, but he's been doing, going city to city, leading these massive outdoor Christian worship services. And it's been incredible, and it's been growing by the thousands. In fact, a few weeks ago, he went to the state house in Sacramento, and 3,000 people showed up, and they worshiped and sang, and, 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 and they just, it was an awesome time. But I was watching them in Seattle, and so they showed up. And, I mean, they, they've got some guts because to, to have a backbone for Jesus, you've you got to have a little bit of guts. you got to be able to, you know, I'm willing to take one for the team here. So they showed up in Seattle. And Antifa showed up and started just heckling and, and yelling things and, and all this stuff. But I was watching this video, and it was the best thing ever. You can hear the guy uh, on, on the video, one of the Antifa guys, is like, you know what? These people are crazy. The more we yell, it's like the happier they get. Like, the more you yell, the more we're going to sing. If you tell us to quit singing, we're just going to crank it up. My amp only goes to 10. I'm going to turn it to 11. We're going to get louder and louder and louder for the name of Jesus. And you can't silence the name of Jesus. And so I love this. But John 15, verse 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, I remember that they hated me first. That's nothing new. Oh, you're sad because they hate you. They hated me before they ever hated you. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. Is there anybody in here that you are no longer part of the world? They loved you when you belonged to them, but now you don't, and so they hate you. He said, I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. 
And so that's what I'm saying. It's going to rub that he's mad that he lost you. The devil wants you back, but you're not coming back because you're taking a stand for Jesus. The world hates us because we won't go along with everything they want us to do. We stand for something. If we if we would just tap out now and say, you know what, fine, we'll, we'll give you what you want. Yeah, they'd welcome us back with open arms, but we're not tapping out. We're sticking with Jesus, and we're sticking to what he told us to do. And so we're taking a stand. I want to look at one more verse, Mark chapter 13. Mark 13. Who's with me? Who's going to give me just like a couple more minutes here? Mark chapter 13, because, again, Jesus gave us plenty of warning of what things would be like. And this is from the famous Olivet Discourse. It's most famous in Matthew 24, but we're going to look at Mark's uh, account of it. Mark chapter 13, verses 9 through 11. But man, who's excited about Jesus? I'm excited. I wake up thinking about Jesus. I go to bed thinking about Jesus. Jesus is everything, man. Mark chapter 13, verses 9 through 11. So he's telling you, man, it's going to get crazy in the end times. Verse 9, when these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Can you imagine you're arrested for being a Christian and the governor's there and Well, what do you have to say? Defend yourself. Okay, I'll get to that. But first, I need to tell you about something else. This is my opportunity to tell you about Jesus. Jesus said, boom, golden opportunity. They're not going anywhere. You've got a captive audience if you're in the courtroom and they ask you to talk. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus. And so this is your opportunity, he said, verse 10, for the good news must be preached to all nations. But when you are arrested and stay in trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm not going to pre-write something. I'm not going to... Holy Spirit, you just say what you need to say in the name of Jesus. But we are not afraid. We are not backing down. This is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise not go into hiding. The world needs answers, and we have those answers right here. We've got the name of Jesus, and we aren't afraid to use it. We're not ashamed of that name. Just like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to save. And so we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's very apparent that in the end times, Jesus expects Christians to take some difficult stands for him. But he's given us plenty of advance warning about that. And so you as an individual have some tough questions to answer in this day and in this age. And I've, we've said it a million times. I see it all over the Internet. But this is a very good thing to say to all of us. Don't say you'd go to jail for your faith if you won't even go to church for it. I'd go to jail for my faith. Man, you're too embarrassed to pray for your lunch at work. You don't lie. You wouldn't go to jail for your faith. You'd cave the second they came and said something to you. Kidding me? Everyone, we're going to call your bluff on that one. And that's not being mean, but you got to get real with yourself right now and say, you know what? 
Am I willing to take one for Jesus? Am I willing to stand up even if it means they give me a ticket? Even if it means that they say, no, are we willing to stand up for Jesus? And uh, there's this quote, it's my last thing, but Alexander Hamilton said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And there's a lot of things we could take a stand for, uh, you know, plenty of good stuff. But I've determined the main thing I want to take a stand for is Jesus Christ. Because he took us, he took, he, he rose up and he stood for me one day. He stood and he took a beating and he died on that cross, a humiliating death. He stood for me. I'm going to stand for Jesus right now. And it, it's, it's real. And I'm telling you, you've got to start taking your faith more serious than ever. And don't let anything stop you from being in God's house, being in God's will, being in God's word. If Jesus could rise from the dead, you can rise from the bed. Get up, read your Bible, go to church and do something for Jesus. Can we get an amen today? Amen. God is good. Let's stand up together. Who's excited to be alive in 2020? Who's excited that you've got three months to make heaven on earth right here where you live? Amen. And so I saw yesterday in Washington, D.C., nearly 100,000 Christians showed up for Franklin Graham's prayer march and for Rabbi Jonathan Kahn's uh, prayer event, the day of return. Nearly 100,000 Christians showed up and took a stand. And I'm like, man, finally, we're getting some people that are standing up and not going into hiding. They're taking a stand for the name of Jesus. So I'm saying count me in with that all day long. Amen. Well, as, you know, we're, we're wrapping up here, but I want to take a few minutes. We're going to close out here in just a few minutes. Give me a minute to work this, but, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to sing some praises to Jesus as we, as we just let God work on your heart, man. If you need to, if you need to praise, if you need to sing, you go ahead and do that. I'm going to say goodbye to my internet audience. So Jojo Garcia, if you could show, go ahead and shut down my internet friends there. Thank you for.